So Money Episode 781, Hani Wilshansky, Early Childhood Leadership Coach and CEO of Discover Ed Consulting. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Imagine being at the grocery store checkout with little kids. You're desperate to leave because one kid's crying, the other's starving, and your credit card gets denied. And then the next credit card gets denied. And by the way, this is the food you need to go home to prepare dinner for your family. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Our guest today experienced this and made two vows to herself when it happened. One, to never run out of money again. And two, to never go grocery shopping again. She's managed to do both quite well. I'm honored to welcome Hani Wilshansky to the show. She is a teacher turned entrepreneur, mom to four kids, and the breadwinner in her marriage. Hani and I talk about her turning points, how she manages money and responsibilities in her big family as the breadwinner, and important advice for women who may be unsure about simultaneously pursuing a career and parenthood. Here's Hani Wilshansky. Hani Wilshansky, welcome to So Money. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation, Farnoosh. I am too. So everybody, Hani emails me. She's a listener of the show. We were, uh, have a mutual friend and she pitched me this amazing email for getting herself on this show. And this is an example of just how when you write something powerful or when you really know your audience, she really knows you guys and you gals out there and what what we like to hear and learn about. So this bulleted email that really had some uh, fantastic insights and conversation points for us to uncover on the episode, including the fact that you're a breadwinner in your marriage, that you're a first generation American and how that kind of uh, patchworked your narrative as a child and now as an adult, your transition from working as a teacher to now being an entrepreneur and of course, managing family with career and motherhood and and womanhood and all everything in between. So lots to dive in with you. We only have 30 minutes, but I'll do my best. First, honey, tell me a little bit about your beginnings as a teacher. And did you always have a vision to be your own boss? That's such a great question. Um, I actually never had a vision to be my own boss. My vision always was to actually start my own preschool. Um, So I was a teacher from when I was 18 years old. As soon as I graduated high school, I went straight to work. Um, I actually went to get my master's and and just higher education after I was married. Um, So when I was 18, I started working as a teacher's assistant in the Upper West Side in the city. Um, And I really just enjoyed working with children. I worked with toddlers and I slowly started working my way up, teacher assistant, teacher, admin, just working my way up the ladder. Um, But I never had envisioned being an entrepreneur um, from when I was younger. That wasn't something that was in like my game plan. What inspired it? Um, So what inspired it was, it was a number of different pieces that all kind of came together at the same time. Um, So I was working in preschool, the arts in Chelsea. Um, They have a number of locations in the city and I 
started mentoring a lot of the teachers that were actually master certified and um, had multiple degrees um, and initials after their last name. But in the practical application of running the classroom and relationships with parents and leadership in the classroom is where a lot of them had fallen short. And that was my strong suit. And so I was doing a lot of mentoring and it, there was a couple of pieces I was like, you know, first I was like, from a money standpoint, I'm like, this is crazy. Like they're getting paid triple than me because I don't have a master's and I'm like the one that's mentoring them. Um, and then it also came from a standpoint where we had two kids at the time and we were just, we were seriously living paycheck to paycheck. Sometimes, you know, most of the time going into debt just to pay the rent and pay for food. And I was like, this is not sustainable. I can't live on a teacher's salary if I want to raise a family. Um, and so that is what ultimately had me pull the plug from being in the classroom and moving on to, you know, to other areas. While some teachers would have said my salary is not enough to cut, uh, to afford childcare. So I'm just going to become a stay at home mom. Was that ever in the cards for you? Never. So again, every single person is wired differently. For me personally, um, I find a lot of fuel of working outside the home and um, connecting with clients and just the impact and the influence that I could create in so many other people. And when I come home, um, I know that I've had that time for myself and I'm able to actually fuel my family as well. So for me, I look at it integrated, but also as separate entities. And now you have four children, fast forward, and the company now that you've, that you run is Discover Ed Consulting. Tell us Mm -hmm. about it and how you found your niche in the education space. Yeah. So I started by giving uh, teacher training workshops and I actually used to drive down to the school to give the workshop. So I would drive like a little over two hours to get to each school. And I live in, you know, New York City. So I would drive to any of the neighboring states or boroughs or whatever it was. I'd give the workshop for two hours and then I'd drive back for two hours. But it was also prep and there was just, it was a whole day's work. And I would get the most amazing paycheck of $200 for the entire day. (laughs) And I was like, this is crazy. This is not sustainable. I am offering way more value than $200. I need to figure out how to turn this into a proper business um, where I'm actually making money and not paying someone to, you know, so I can have this expensive hobby essentially. Um, So that was um, kind of the beginning of my journey. And then I started investing in mentors and we can kind of go down that rabbit hole, how I started investing before I even had money. Um, And we were, you know, thousands of dollars in debt, but I I took this leap to invest in a mentor who completely had changed the course of my business. And that's how ultimately we started to become profitable. That is really risk driven. I mean, you're, you're invested. How did you know that? What was, what, what told you this was going to pay off? Such a good question. And what were the conversations you were having with your partner? Because that's, complex. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So we were, um, to be exact, a little over $30,000 in debt at the time. Um, and what, Oh, there's just, there's so many moving pieces, but this one story just always, um, sticks out at me. So I was about seven or eight months pregnant with my third child and I was in the grocery store. I was going food shopping for the week and I came up to the counter now in Brooklyn where I live on Thursday afternoons, the grocery store is like out the door. It's a madhouse. The lines are just forever. Everyone's going shopping for a Shabbat. And so there's just, there's hundreds of people in the store and I'm at the checkout counter and I give them my card and it's declined. And I'm like, oh my God, I just wanted the floor to like eat me up alive. So I give him the next card and it's declined again. I'm like, no, 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 you have to try it. It for sure works. And he tries it again and it's not working. And I'm getting these angry stares from everyone behind me. Like, you know, move on lady. So he pulls me, he like puts my stuff aside. He's like, you know, figure out if you can get a different card. If not, you know, we'll send your stuff back into the shelves. And I'm like, 
I'm just like shaking. I'm like reliving the story now. My whole body's shaking again. And so I call my husband. I'm like, Mayor, the card's declined. I'm in a store. We need food. He's like, he's like, try this card. So I give him the card. It goes through. We have the food come home. And I came into the house. And I don't even know how many hours I cried for, but it was at that moment that I told myself two promises. I said, number one, I am going to pull my family out of this debt come hell or high water. And number two, I will never go grocery shopping again. And I have kept both of those promises. I have pulled my family out of the debt and I have never gone grocery shopping again. My husband does all the grocery shopping. Good for you. And yes. now you're the breadwinner. So how has that financial dynamic manifested in, you know, uh, this was this, do you feel like you guys kind of fell into it and all kind of the puzzle pieces figured themselves out or you had to really work at creating a system that manages the emotions and the money? Yeah. Um, such a good question. So the, the first thing is, is that, um, while I am the breadwinner, my husband has a job as well and, you know, he works long hours and everything. So there's so much of the dynamic that we have to pull together where it's like, you know, whose job kind of takes precedence when it comes to certain things. Um, because there are times that there's a lot of overlap. And so that's an, like a constant conversation. But as far as like, um, it, it was never like, Oh, the business is always going to, you know, bring in more money than my husband's salary. It, it just, it's what ended up happening. Like the, the, the way that we set up the model and the way that we're continuing to invest is that it's, you know, continuing to go on that track. Um, the way that we really navigate it together is, is there's so many different pieces, but I think the first one is that mayor is a, a thousand percent on board and he's um, a thousand percent supportive of the fact that he's like, you know, he always tells me you have these amazing talents and gifts that you have. And, you know, it's, it's amazing what you can do with them. It's amazing the impact you can make on the world and why should, you know, who makes more money be a definition of whether or not you could do this. Like that's just silly. Um, so that's his mindset and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And that's how we're really able to, to navigate a lot of the other, you know, ups and downs that come along with it. That's really exceptional and wonderful yeah. and, and important to hear. Yeah. So, um, a little bit more, I'd love to learn about your, you're a mom, you run a business, yeah. but, but the chapter before that was, you know, Hani, the teacher yeah. can't afford food. And so that's a lot, like that moment, I think a lot of people experience today. It's like, how do I keep the lights on, Yeah, be, be fulfilled in my career and make that money, but also address the, the costs and afford my family. And um, it's very it's very obvious why so many women in particular who are making the lower salaries drop out of the workforce. That scares me. Mm -hmm. That trend is not going away. In fact, it's, uh, there was an article in the times recently about how so many young women are, have all these ambitions and you know, they want to pursue the have it allness. And then they realize, Oh my gosh, daycare is so expensive. Childcare is so expensive. My salary mm -hmm. is like less than what it is to put my kid through school. So I'm going to be the full-time caretaker. And then mm -hmm. unexpectedly, unplanned, without really wanting to do it, they opt out of the workforce, which is sad, but also scary because they're not making money. Yeah. How do you make money and have a family? I, I, will, I will go to the deep end and say, you should work at a deficit for the first few years while you have a kid, even if it means not running into like credit card debt, but you know, yeah. it might, the economics are not the only thing that you have to account for. There's other things. 
Yeah. And I also think there's different kinds of debt as well, which I'm sure, you know, you, you, I know you've sp- spoken about this a lot. There's, you know, there's credit card debt, a mortgage is a kind of debt. Like there's different kinds yeah, of debt. student loans. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's, it's so tricky because it, it's, everyone really has to understand their risk tolerance and you know, what, what really works for them. To me, staying home was never, that was never a card on the table. And so because it was never a card on the table, we really had to figure out, well, how are we really going to make this work? Um, because staying home, it just, it was, it wasn't an option. I, I could never see myself being home and being happy. Like I, I just, I, I'd be miserable. Um, so for me, it was worth it to, to take a little bit of a plunge. We were in debt for a little bit. We were, you know, we were struggling, but it, it was investing in the right, I think what you're talking on also with the moms and I'm kind of going off a little tangent here, but I, I want, I want to touch on this point is that we, we only, we can only make decisions from, from a place of where we know right now. Right. So like we say things like, Oh, I want this dream house. Or I want this dream, this, but your dream of that is the dream of the current state you're in in five years from now, your dream house could be something else. And so I feel like for women that are in that state that you were saying is get out of your shell. It's like, speak to a mentor, speak to someone else who's, who's, you know, run that course, who's run that path and, and just hear from a different insight, let them get their eyeballs on your life and what's going on and see where they can offer some insight. Like it could be something small that can have a, like a massive effect. Right. I think there's also some things that have nothing to do with money that can yeah. really alter your perspective oh, on totally. the situation. So yes. we also know that so many people commute to get to their jobs. And if you have children and you're commuting an hour each way, which is not uncommon, my friends right. do it. Yep. That can also add to your disdain with your career. And then you're just like more than willing to just quit because you're like, I don't make enough. I'm losing time, time away from my family, which is really important to me. So finding a way to make some of those things less of an issue, uh, perhaps it means changing jobs to something that's more close or asking your employer for more time off to work from home rather than commute. It's asking um, terrifying questions, I think, because for <laughs> me, no, and, and I'm, I'm being so brutally honest right now. Like when I was doing those workshops and driving back and forth for hours and getting paid $200, right? When I was talking to my mentor and we ultimately, you know, cut that out of the business and we started something else, I was terrified. I'm like, what do you mean I'm not going to do that anymore? Like, I, like, but, but that brings in money. He's like, no, 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 it doesn't. That's $200 is not money. I'm like, but, but it's something I was terrified to let go of that. And he's like, no, you have to let go of that mm-hmm. and shift into this in a different model. So I think that, you know, when you're thinking about this long commute and like, oh, it doesn't make sense. Well, well ask yourself some questions that you've never asked before and, and just sit in that uncomfortability of that question. I just finished reading a chapter in Mike McCallowitz's new book, Clockwork. Yes. One of the things that he wrote in the book that just, I've heard this so many times, but reading it again this morning was like, boom. He said, you need to get more uncomfortable. I'm sorry. The fear of being complacent and staying comfortable should be more terrifying than the fear of the unknown. And that's the place you have to get to. And so as a mom, the complacency of like, oh, it's just much easier to stay home. No, no, no. That should be terrifying to you as opposed to going out into the unknown, which is you know, seemingly the, the most terrifying thing. Yeah. I always say, moms, you did the most yeah. terrifying thing by going through natural labor. You had a baby. You went through nine months. <laughs> that's, that's the scariest thing I've exactly. ever done. And yeah. I did it. And yeah. I, God helped me. I lived through it. Yes. And like, I'm very grateful. So yes. like everything else is... <laughs> it's a walk in the park, right? It's a walk like, in the park. It's a cake totally. walk. 
Totally. Uh, but I wrote I down totally a lot of these that. of these zingers that you just delivered to us, and I'm gonna yeah. uh, I'm gonna borrow these if you don't mind. Don't yeah. make it don't make it a card on the table. This whole yeah. stay at home thing. Yep. And not work thing. Mm-hmm. I get I get wanting to spend quality time with your children. I get wanting to be at the forefront of parenting. I get taking time off after you have a baby to be in bond with your child and be with your child. But this idea of like I'm never gonna go back to work. But I have all of that. I want. I, I really want to go into that. I think that like, th- this is like a mindset thing that I had where it's like, you know, when I was, when, my dad runs a nonprofit for the past uh, little over 30 years and he helps um, Russian Jews in New Jersey and just all over the state. And um, growing up, people always used to come into the house and talk to him about their problems and about um, their relationships. And as a rabbi, he just would listen, you know, and give advice or whatever it is. And one time I was like, I don't remember, maybe eight or 10 years old. And he was after this particularly difficult conversation, this woman was leaving the house and he pulls me over. He goes, you see, honey, you see this woman? I said, yeah. He goes, she has millions of dollars. She has more money than she knows what to do with. But look at her life. She's miserable. She just got divorced. Her kids don't talk to her. And he went the whole laundry list of all the problems she has in her life. And he's like, this is why you don't chase after money because money doesn't give you anything. And that was like, the mantra that I heard all the time that money equals horrible relationships, horrible, everything, your kids don't talk to you and everything like that. Now disclaimer, I love my dad. He's an incredible person. I've learned so much from him and I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. And this is again, like this is, you know, the message that that I got for better or for worse. But to me, money was always, if I have it, then I'm going to lose something else in my life. And so I've always played it small because like you know, if I make a little bit of money, then, you know, I'll still be married and I'll still have my kid. And it's, it's so ridiculous, but that's the way I thought. And, and you have to rewind, like as a mom, think about what's your money story? Like, what do you actually believe about money? Like, do you believe that money and a great relationship can't coexist? That That's a whole different layer you need to revisit. Yeah. I mean, my money story, my money philosophy yeah. Now more than ever. I mean, I have many. <laughs> I could write a book about money <laughs> philosophies, but I'm. Yeah. But something that I've I've recently really felt strongly about is that if if I consider myself to be a feminist, which mm-hmm. I maybe you know people don't like the word. There's a lot of debate yeah. around like, am I a feminist? I don't like calling myself a feminist, <laughs> but I do ultimately believe in the underlying tenets of feminism. Like I want equality for women mm-hmm. and men. I want mm-hmm. women to be able to have access to options and dis- and choices and financial freedom financial freedom. You yeah. can't have any of that without money. Nope. So if you want to pursue feminist feminism and fem, and be a feminist and per, and support women and be a, a leader in your life as a woman yeah. to be able to like have options and leave bad situations and enter good situations, you need money, not someone else's money. Yes, your yours. money. <sighs> yeah, and that's where, you know it's so true because that's where also the the mindset shift is it's been over a very long time and I continue to you know work on it but a, a big breakthrough that I've had also is that money is really a tool and it's going to magnify who you are as a person. And so I've stopped worrying about, Oh my God, if I have more money, then I'm going to be, you know, a jerk now to everybody else because you know, rich people are jerks. No, 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 no. If I have more money, it's going to magnify who I am. So if I'm a giving person and I'm nurturing and I am a caretaker and I, you know, love my family and my community, then money is going to be able to help me do more of that. Now I could give more money to charity. Now I could give more, like now I can do more with it. It's this tool. And I constantly have have to tell myself that story because it's, it's terrifying to charge more money. It's terrifying to ask people for, you know, your clients, for, like all, all these different things. It's scary, but where, where's your focus? Where's your mindset? 
I love that. Ask the terrifying question. Um, and get out of your shell is, is also what you're saying. Don't make it out. Don't make it a card on the table. Get out of your shell. Ask the terrifying questions and find out what is your money story because, um, you're, you might be living a life that is in, in uh, contrast to yes. what you actually want. And it happens to the best of us. So we've learned a lot about your mindset around money. We've gotten even some glimpses into your childhood, your dad's belief systems around money. Um, was there any other kind of money moment as a kid that really impacted you for better or worse? Um, I mean, there's, you know, there's so many, like, again, as first generation American, my parents grew up in Soviet Russia. So um, there was a lot of periods where there was, you know, a hunger and my grandparents used to have to wait in line to get bread. So throwing out food or, you know, just being really uh, conservative with everything was just such a big part of growing up Um, and just really being it. I thought it was about being frugal, but it was taken to an extreme because just because I have money now doesn't mean I waste it. Like I'm still very cautious. I'm careful. We put money in investment funds so it grows for us. Like we're, we're, we're working really hard to become more conscious. But I think as a kid, like it, the throw, the not throwing out food impacted a little bit me as an adult where you know, sometimes after dinner, there'll be like a leftover piece or whatever it is. And I'll just like throw it out. And like, my husband's like, no, it's good food. Like, you know, don't throw it out. I'm like, no, 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 no one's eating it. Like sometimes that impacts me in the wrong way. We're like, it's totally good food. Like the kids will eat it tomorrow. But I'm like, so terrified to like have my kids eat leftovers. Cause that's all I ate growing up mm. that I'm like, no, 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 we have to throw it out. So again, like that's not necessarily for better. Like, you know, I could be more conservative when it comes to that, but it's not a focus that I put too much emotional energy on at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's important to yeah to know where it's rooted. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing for better is that my parents always had cleaning help growing up. So I, my mom always had help. I, I'm one of eight kids. Um, wow. She always had full-time help um, in the house to clean the house, to, to just take care of the house. So to me, um, I have full-time cleaning help as well. I have someone in the house every single day who takes care of the house um, so that I could take care of the business and my kids and not have to worry about laundry and just all the things that are involved in the house. So while some people look at it as like, a luxury to me, it's an absolute necessity to be able to be a present mom, a present wife, and a you know, great CEO of my company. I completely outsource everything that's involved in running my household. To hear you talk about the clarity that you have now with things related to work and life and family and yourself, mm-hmm. it sounds like maybe this has always been who you are or was there a period of time when you had to really sit down and get that clarity and what was that process like? Yeah, I don't think there was any like specific time. I feel like I'm really okay with bumping my head into the wall. I'm really okay with hitting roadblocks, um, you know, falling down, getting scraped knees. Like I'm okay with I've really, I'm okay with failure. Like I'm okay with it not working out. And I just keep on looking as like, I, I know there's something else on the other side. Like I know there's something else that's there and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get that clarity. And I think as, as women, as moms, or just in general, as you know, people were afraid to fail. It's, it's, it's scary. Um, but the more you get comfortable with that feeling of like falling down a little bit, there's, it, it goes up from there. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's a little bit about how I look at it. 
Well, I think also maybe it also involved conversation after conversation with yes. your partner. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, for sure. So one of the things that we do that's, uh, you know, absolute um, ritual, and this is like a must, again, like talking about cards on the table, like this is a card that's always on the table. We have to have couple only time every single month. It goes on an auto reminder in our phones. We go out for breakfast, we leave our house, um, or, you know, we live in New York City, we'll walk the bridge, we'll go to the promenade. There's so many places in New York. Um, and we just spend time together. We don't talk about the business. We don't talk about, it's just that emotional connection time. And the other piece also, and I know this is, can sound terrifying to moms that are listening to this, especially if you have young kids. Um, we go away every single year, just the two of us. Um, for at least one night. Um, last year, after we paid off debt, we were able to go away to Italy for seven days, which was incredible. Um, but we go away every single year for at least one night, most two nights, um, uh, for just away without the kids. We have a sitter that comes and it's so important to do that when the kids are young, because when they're young is when your family is only as strong as the leaders in the family. The leaders are mom and dad. And if mom and dad aren't taking care of each other, you have nothing to give your family. And so as a mom, sometimes we think it's selfish to go and spend time with your spouse. Like, oh, I'm doing such a guilty pleasure. I'm spending time with my spouse. No, 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 no. It is selfish not to, because then you have nothing to give your family. I love that. And I think yeah. that's something that merits a lot of reminding. Yes, yes. And we, we need that all the time. And that's why we have order reminders on. Because, you know, you could have a whole month go by without saying, like, without saying more than like, okay, who needs this? And you have to pick up this and go to the dentist. And we have four kids. So, like, it's just, it's endless. Wow. Like, if you don't wow. block out the time, like, you won't say, you could forget to say, I love you. Like, yes. So, yeah. You said earlier you're really okay with bumping your head into the wall. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, what has been your greatest financial failure? <sighs> My greatest financial failure? I think I, I haven't had, I don't know if I look at it as like any like specific kind of, I guess the financial failure would be doing those like those workshops where I was getting paid like a half a penny an hour to kind of do, do that job. Um, because, you know, cause right now I'm very blessed to be really riding an incredible wave of momentum as I'm building the business. Um, how did you know what you were worth? Um, with a mentor and a coach and an incredible community that are constantly asking me, those hard questions and helping me realize the transformation that I'm creating in, with the clients and the schools that I work with has really helped me realize how much I'm worth and how much the content and the, you know, the coaching that I bring to the table, how transformative it really is. All right. Honey, you've been amazing. This has been <laughs> one of my f I've loved this interview with you. Thank um, you. So what else can I ask you? I, I feel like you've given me so much in this short period of time. Um, I would like to ask you something that um, I, it's the month of September and we're back to school, yeah. shopping, fall fashion, a little a lighter question. But mm -hmm. so our sponsor is Chase Slate and mm -hmm. they did a survey recently and found that a lot of young people are sharing their purchases on social media. Over three fourths of millennials are talking about what they bought on Instagram. What is something that you recently invested in or purchased in your life that, that you really were excited about and that you shared, whether that was online or offline, doesn't matter, but that, you know, you wanted to reveal this and uh, share, share the excitement. 
Um, so we just came back from eight days in Florida with the whole family. Um, and that was like so exciting that we bought five tickets to go away um, for, with the family. So that was something that was super exciting um, for me that we were able to afford something like that. How did that trip go? Incredible. I feel like I want to leave New York City. Um, it was it was amazing. Eight days with the family, um, you know, in a you know, private villa with a pool in the back, like just being able to spend time with the kids and not have to worry about every single purchase. Like the kids wanted ice cream, let's go get some ice cream. Like not like just that openness and that abundance when we were out there. Obviously not, you know you know, throwing money at the wind, but just being able to have that relaxation piece was so incredibly refreshing and invigorating. Like you're getting me right off this amazing vacation. I am pumped. Mm -hmm. I am excited. Like it's, it's been, it's been incredible. And being able to do that with four kids going away like that is, wow. Yeah. What are the ages? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. I have a nine month old, a three year old, a six year old and an eight year old. So my hands are full. Are you done? (laughs) Uh, My husband is amazing. We really, really are a team. Um, Can never, ever, ever do this without him. So um, raising a family is one of the most amazing gifts. As I'm sure you know, you're a mom yourself and um, being together as a team is what really fuels everything. So one thing I wanted to ask earlier, as we were talking about being the breadwinner and female financial head of household, mm-hmm. describing your role as breadwinner in a yeah. word, what is it? Um, wow. it's a good question. I think I would say it's it's really exhilarating to be able to do something that I love, to be able to create an impact in schools and education that I'm so passionate about, and at the same time, be able to bring in an income that allows us to have the, the quality and the lifestyle that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, that combination of the three, I mean, is so rare, and I feel like insanely blessed. That's beautiful. So it's untraditional, right? I'm in, I'm in the camp with you. Yes, it is completely, especially, especially in my circles. This yeah. Is in your really circles. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, in my Iranian circles, like yeah. you're in your, in your Russian Jewish circles. Like it's, yeah. I, I know. So how does that ever show up in your face? Yeah, it, it, it does. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it's more like it's, so I feel like it's, it's this way. It's not so much a topic of conversation. Like it's not something that, you know, when we sit down at the table with like our siblings or in-laws or whatever it is, it's not like this conversation that always like comes up that like, you know, the breadwinner or whatever it is, it's more, whatever, we steer the conversation in other directions because, you know, in all the, in, in all of our siblings, my husband's siblings, my siblings, you know, the man is the breadwinner. Um, so it's, it's, it's very untraditional and, and my husband has nine siblings. So between all of us, it's, we flipped it on its side, but it really works for us and we're very happy. And, um, I, I think it's about just not letting what other people think affect how you're choosing to design your life. Yes, yes, yes. It's, and it's hard. It's, I'm not going to take that away. I know, you it's, have to kind of ignore people. It's yeah. very difficult. And a lot of it's in my head and it's, it's, it's hard. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It, this is something that is very hard. Absolutely. 
Well, let's end on something light. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> These are our so many fill in the blanks. We've okay. been doing this for, uh, this is like my 700th time, but it never awesome. gets old. I just start a sentence and then you finish it. Okay. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say 100 million bucks, the first thing I would do is? Uh, the first thing I would do is give at least uh, 10, 15% of it to charity. Um, we're very passionate about the charities that we give to. Awesome. Uh, one thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better without saying childcare or like housekeeper, because I get that inevitably. Oh, okay. Time. Okay. Uh, so can you given. Repeat? Yeah. yeah. So, cause I spent a lot of money on, on, on house help, my house manager. So can you repeat the question again? Sure. One thing I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is, um, I get, I, I do like um, lots of um, self-care, like spas, massages, manicure, th- like things like that. And it, it just, it's, I enjoy it a lot. The one thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is? Save, how to save properly without feeling stingy, like mm-hmm. save in a way that's smart, that's thinking long-term, that's playing a long game. And that is something that I do with my kids. They earn money for different things and I'm always teaching them how to save. Play the long game. Yes. And last but not least, I'm Honey Wilchansky. I'm so money because? I'm so money because money doesn't rule my life. Money is a tool that will continue to magnify who I really am. And that is my journey of constantly becoming better every single day, being a better mom, a better person, a better wife, um, and a better CEO so that I can make that impact on the schools that I work with. Honey, thank you so much. This has been a phenomenal conversation. I want to talk more to you about all the ways that you are the how of Honey Wilchansky. That should be the book, like the how of you. Thank you. So important to hear from strong women like you these days. Um, Can't get enough of it. Congratulations on all your successes. Thank you. Happy back to school with your four kids. Thank you. Thanks so much, Furnish. This was so much fun. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Thanks. To learn more about Hani and her business, check out discoveredconsulting.com. And she is also very active on Facebook at Hani Wilshansky. If you missed any of these links or want to read the episode, we have transcripts or download it, go to somoneypodcast.com. And while you're there, if you've got a question for me for our Friday Ask Farnoosh sessions, just click on Ask Farnoosh. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope your day is so money. Money.